Welcome to PR Tech Wednesdays, the weekly webinar where thought leaders discuss the latest in PR tech. Uh, if it's Wednesday, it's PR Tech Wednesdays. I'm your host, Eric Schwarzman. We do this every Wednesday from 12 to 1 Pacific time. It's free, and you can sign up at prtechwednesdays.com. Now, I started this community to sort of bring us all together once a week to talk about the latest developments in PR tech, but as a result of the pandemic, it's really become much more than that. So thanks for showing up. Um, what we're gonna do with questions, you know, if you're in the, if you're, if you're live in the Zoom and, uh, and you're not watching on Facebook or, or Twitter or, uh, or YouTube, we're gonna actually bring you on camera to ask your question directly so that it can be more of a video chat, more of a community uh, where all of us get a chance to have some screen time. So um, go ahead and put your questions in the chat window over the course of the uh, conversation and uh, we'll bring you on live. Um, our guest today is Todd Grossman. He's the CEO of TalkWalker, which is one of the most popular social media monitoring platforms on the market today. He spent his entire career in public relations, uh, starting first in PR and IR on the client side, uh, before going to PR Newswire uh, for many years in many different capacities, uh, before joining uh, TalkWalker as CEO, uh, where he has been for the last five years, and they have grown substantially under his tenure. Uh, Todd, welcome to the podcast. Happy Wednesday, Eric. So great to be on. Got a really nice email from Michael Shepard of the Shepard Group, which is a Seattle-based marketing and PR firm. Michael and I met through Sally Falco, uh, and he wrote um, to say that he really enjoyed last week's Pitch Perfect Pandemic PR panel. Um, if you missed that, we just got a podcast feed up and running. So if you want to subscribe to this, you know, listen on the go, you can uh, get that at ericschwartzman.com forward slash P-R-T-W, that's Papa Romeo Tango Whiskey, ericschwartzman.com forward slash P-R-T-W. Uh, but Michael uh, Stroud had, had emailed to say that he downloaded my new 2020 Media Monitoring Buyer's Guide and found it really useful. Now, if you haven't checked it out yet, I was really frustrated uh, by how hard it was to compare different media monitoring services. So I wrote a vendor neutral guide and no one paid me to write it. I did it entirely on my own and uh, I did it to make it easier to choose the best media monitoring platform. In the report is a side-by-side -side features comparison. So you can sort of compare each platform. Um, I also uh, put in there an analysis of the state of social media monitoring and media monitoring technology broader. And then I wrote reviews on, on 10 of the top platforms, one of which uh, is, um, is TalkWalker. Um, so if you get a chance, uh, you can download that at um, ericschwartzman.com uh, forward slash monitoring. Our bookstagram of the week is The Happiness Hypothesis by Jonathan Haidt. Now this is a brilliant book that draws on ancient wisdom from philosophy, art, and religion to suggest that our human emotions are actually genetically predisposed. He's a professor of psychology at the University of Virginia, 
And he's written a number of books about the genetics of human behavior. And I'm convinced after reading it that nature is as important as, nur as nurture in determining our beliefs as individuals. Um, he writes about experiments that he did and suggests that even our political beliefs are largely a result of our genetics. Uh, this is a book about tolerance. It's about understanding and accepting people who have different beliefs than our own. And it's about learning to get along with others. Uh, I loved it. If you've read Alice Miller's drama of a gifted child, this is a refreshing alternative viewpoint. Um, I learned about this book. I learned about this book from one of my favorite podcasts, which is On Being with Krista Tippett. And she gets amazing guests on her show. And she focuses on what it means to be human and how we treat each other. And some of the most inspirational modern day authors I've read, uh, I heard first on her show. Uh, so if you want to check that out, it's On Being with Krista Tippett. And the book is The Happiness Hypothesis. Highly recommended. Um, and let's get started. Again, the chat room is open for questions, so feel free to ask away. If you're just tuning in um, and you're not on Facebook or YouTube or Twitter, if you're in the Zoom webinar uh, and you want to ask a question, go ahead and put it in the chat. I'm going to bring you on screen. So you'll get video FaceTime, so be ready for that, to ask your question live. Okay, uh, welcome to you all. Uh, let's get started. Happy Wednesday. So the word on the street, Todd, is that you're a big fan of dance. So I am. I, um, I like ballroom dancing, and the way I got started was in the 90s. I'm dating myself a little bit. I saw a movie called Set of a Woman with Al Pacino, and he did the tango. A scene in that movie. Great scene. Love that scene. I was just like, I want to be able to do that. And I put my mind to it. And that's what I did after work. Right across the street was a dance studio, and I learned everything. Art, was it, uh, they have Arthur Murray out here. Yeah, it wasn't Arthur Murray. It was uh, Dance Broadway. And then I went over to a dance sport as I got a little bit uh, better. But I first uh, started with a, a private instructor. It was an older woman um, in her late 60s who... Um, Back then I was in my 20s and she, um, she taught me everything. And then I needed to start working with other people and getting in social settings. So I built my foundation one-on-one. -on -one. My, uh, my grandpa, who is no longer with us, but he lived to be 101. And whenever there was like a wedding or a bar mitzvah, all the ladies always wanted to dance with him. And I asked my wife, what is it about him that makes you want to dance with him? And he, she said, when he puts his hand on your back, he, it's like he just leads you. He, you know exactly where he wants to go. And it's so easy to dance with him. It's true. It's your job as a, a, a male partner to make your female partner be the star. And you're actually driving the directions and you're leading the whole entire time. I, um, at a, a silent auction at my son's school, I picked up uh, like a, a, a series of uh, ballroom dancing lessons, but we haven't used them yet. We got to get out there and do that. Because I, I, when you get out there, it's like you want to at least know how to do it. You don't want to just like be faking it. You want to at least know how to dance. 
Yeah, what I do sometimes is I dance to, I learn how to dance to women's part as well. So then I could know how they're supposed to feel that pressure in the back and all that kind of stuff. So interesting. Yeah. You also do quite a bit of service work yourself, right? Through an organization that promotes education in Africa. Yeah. Yeah. The foundation's called um, the Kilimanjaro Education Foundation. And more than 13 years ago, I founded this foundation. Uh, predominantly, we, we help improve education and build schools in Africa, in Tanzania area specifically. I climbed Kilimanjaro. I came down the mountain and I had one day left to spend with the guys and porters and they invited me to their village. And I've seen poverty run rampant in third world countries, but I saw this one school in danger of closing due to unsanitary bathroom conditions. And I said, I need to come back here and do something about that. I'm not going to be one of these guys that, oh, check this off the list and go on to the next thing. So ever since uh, we've been uh, doing things grassroots and even last week we got a huge donation after a video that our man on the ground posted with his family about the situation over there. Tourism is dead in Tanzania and people are hurting for, for jobs right now. So we're just trying to help out everywhere uh, where we can. There's, uh, there's a lot of good that we can do from grassroots. If uh, anyone you know watching this wants to support that cause, how would they do that? Oh, it, it's uh, www.kef the number four kids.org. And you've been doing that for over a decade now, yeah. Yes, I have really great volunteers um, of all ages, and it's just really um, taken itself to uh, another level. And uh, during uh, this COVID time now. Uh, we've become very um, uh, efficient, I should say, and innovative at the same time uh, in terms of messaging and practicing what a lot of PR professionals uh, and the marketers are doing right now, which we'll maybe get into later on today and doubling down on digital. Let's do that. So, you know, let's sort of start at the bottom here. A lot of people use a free tool like Google Analytics to measure social media. Why would they want a premium tool like TalkWalker? What, what does it do that Google Analytics doesn't? So Google Analytics really is a web traffic uh, uh, tool that shows you how much web traffic you're getting to your, your website, uh, the social media posts that are going to your website. Uh, a, a tool like TalkWalker is more of a uh, social analytics, online social analytics uh, listening uh, platform. So it's uh, web crawling more than 150 million websites in 187 different languages. And you're getting more than just traffic results or vanity metrics. You're getting everything ranging from sentiment analysis to influencer analysis to themes analysis. And we can get more into that as we uh, further get down the route. But it's really comparing apples to oranges. A lot of people use these free uh, hashtag tracking tools to try to figure out which hashtags to put into their social media communications to try to get more reach. What's the difference between a hashtag tracking tool and, and TalkWalker? Yeah, so these um, hashtag tools are really good for uh, quick uh, information at a super, super high level. However, they may not be 100% accurate because what they're getting sometimes is like the decahos of Twitter. And that means that they're only getting 10% of the data. With tools like a TalkWalker, you're able to get a full Twitter fire hose, for example, and being able to get 
more in-depth data than just high-level high um, data. TalkWalker, as well, on our, our website, we do have a, a quick search freemium uh, tool that uh, people can use, our quick search, where they can type in information and uh, use it to, to get a, a flavor of what's going on about a particular subject matter that they're interested in or topic. Um, when I'm leading sessions on social media web companies, and I get the question, you know, what do you talk about? Where do you start? I usually use the analogy of the party conversation. You know, you walk up to a group of people at a party having a conversation. You don't typically interject what you want to say without first sort of waiting and hearing what the conversation's about and then trying to enter the conversation gracefully based on what is already underway. So with that in mind, how would a tool like TalkWalker help with the development of social media strategy? I love it. I love that question. Um, and what you said, your key word there was listening. And it's really important to, to listen. However, when you're putting together a strategy, you want to understand uh, KPIs first. What are you listening for? Well, what, do you, are, what are you expecting to to hear, or are you completely open-minded? However, setting some KPIs for your strategy, first understanding what is your strategy and why do you even wanna listen and, and be uh, part of this conversation potentially, or just understand what's having to do with this conversation so you can make some meaningful um, insights in what you wanna do. Here's just a, a chart of a, a simple listening uh, application where we can understand on a particular subject matter in and out burgers versus White Castle over a period of time to understand the sentiments at a very high level and understand the potential reach. But there's so much more that can be done in terms of analysis and listening. But listening is the number one thing to be able to, to do uh, to get that data. And then once you have that data, it's all about filtering and getting the right data that matters because there's a lot of noise out there and we'll get into booleans i'm sure and things like that um, later in the discussion a lot of people talk about you know social media analysis of a brand you know and and but but it's really unclear what what does that mean when you're analyzing a brand on social media what exactly are you analyzing well, you, you want to understand, uh, you want to understand their target audience, their persona, um, the messaging that they're having, uh, what are the right social channels that this brand is participating in, not only the brand itself, but understanding uh, what, social, what, what peer brands are saying, how they compare against those brands. So it's really doing a, a, an audit in terms of a perception audit. Um, and measuring certain KPIs on that audit. Uh, this is just an example of just social media types uh, for a particular brand uh, where uh, they are getting most of their engagement or their, their reach, where the conversations are happening. So for example, let's say you're Pepsi and you're doing a campaign and you're getting a lot of reach on Twitter, but you're getting a lot more engagement on Instagram, but not as much reach. What's more valuable for you? Well, depending on what your KPIs are, I would think that engagement's more important than the reach because that's a little bit more meaningful, but one may be measured just on reaching and getting the word out there and people don't necessarily have to engage that. So there's different ways to measure things, but the first thing to do is to do a quick brand listening report, uh, something that we've 
created in our platform as well. It's, a, it's called an IQ app where these are predefined templates where you just type in the keywords that you want and boom, you get all this data about a brand. That's helpful because I know <laughs> often you, you, know, you have these blue sky platforms that you have to customize it yourself. And then if it's entirely automated without an analyst support, it becomes difficult to really wrangle the data you want unless you really do have the training and ability to use the platform. And that can take a long time to learn. I think yeah. I read, um, or actually in the report in the 2020 uh, Media Monitoring Buyer's Guide, one of the things I learned by talking to agency buyers is um, that the highest, biggest cost of acquiring a, a monitoring platform is training people to use it. Yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised. And one thing that platforms really have to offer their clients is ease of use. Uh, it's, it's so important to have a platform that's uh, really easy to use. Um, the initial platforms that were out there, you really had to know uh, inside and out um, how to use Boolean and set up all advanced stuff. But now with AI that hopefully we'll get into later on in our conversation is uh, with AI, AI is so friendly. It allows you to not have to worry about exclusionary factors and stuff like that. You're just teaching the machine, the platform on what you like and what you don't like. And then as it's learning, it will give you what you want. Talk to us a little bit about how the tool actually works, because like I know in my Facebook, I don't have my Facebook public. I just have it open to friends and friends of friends. Yeah. So, so when I'm looking at Facebook, what am I seeing as, as, as someone using the platform? Yes. So everything that we are monitoring or should I say web crawling is um, public information. So we're monitoring more than the 150 million websites and online services, uh, hundreds of thousands of blogs, news, forums, and 187 different languages in virtually every country in real time. So basically we have the bots and a web crawling technology that's enabling us through AI to be able to understand what's being said out there based on topics and being able to put this information in an easy format, that it, which is visually pleasing to the eye and good data visualization charts. Uh, this is just an example of uh, image recognition technology that we have. So 80% of posts out there that um, have a logo in it, don't mention the brand by name. So if you're doing listening online and you're, just tech, you're doing listening just for the text, let's say Starbucks, you're not going to see perhaps 80% of posts that are mentioning Starbucks, but not mentioning it by name. It has the post of Starbucks. So you need to do visual listening out there as well. That involves image recognition. So that's a, a really key component in terms of your overall uh, listening and analytics. Outreach so, so I'm going to ask you to give us some inside information here. Okay. Yep. So, I mean, for the last five years, I've got to think you've been going and closing deals with some of the biggest companies in the world for your platform. Yes. Here's what I want to know. I want to know what are the common pain points that you hear from customers when you go in there to meet with them? So there, there's, there's a couple. Um, information overload. Uh, that they just get so much information. How can we filter this down? And we have, um, we have created really good filtering mechanisms to be able to give the clients what they need. The other thing is 
uh, Boolean. So we have more than 150 Boolean operators, and that basically allows you to really get what you want. Now, there's some training involved in that, but you could start with, we have a Boolean library and it almost auto-populates when you type in things because it wants to uh, recommend uh, the best way to be able to get information uh, for, for you. So some pain points are um, you can have novices that want, want to go really deep and they don't have the time to be able to, to, to do everything. So we try to make it as easy as possible for our clients to be able to use things. Any other common pain points when you sit down that you hear from the executive sponsor about what they're trying to do, maybe even something they're trying to do that you can't do yet or something yeah. close to being able to do, but you, you're, you're not yeah. quite there yet? They could have this data, but how can they correlate this data to, for example, sales? to right. show return on investment. So that's really important to be able to, to show return on investment. And that leads into uh, other areas that we have um, services like our customer uh, data plus service that we could talk about later if you'd like, where it's your own data that you can integrate into the um, TalkWalker platform. Seven years ago in a post I wrote for Brian Solis's blog, um, which I titled, uh, without analytics, big data is just a bunch of noise. Uh, I said, I believed that the insights are found at the intersection of multiple data sources. You think about like a, a tool like um, Nextdoor. I don't know if you use that to sort of monitor discussions in your neighborhood, but you know, being able to uh, get police information on an app like that is useful. Being able to go to a real estate site and get uh, uh, scores on local schools is useful, you know, the sort of data intersections. So when you uh, are talking to clients, what do they want to compare to the conversation? What are they looking, where, what intersection are they looking for? Yeah, what we, we've seen, and it's interesting, um, next door, we have an equivalent in New York City, it's called Citizen. And gosh, we know everything that's going on, it's user generated and you can see real time what's happening 3 a.m. in the morning or 11 o'clock in the evening. It's interesting stuff out there. Yeah. And to going back to your question, what other type of information customers like to incorporate with their online social data? What else they're asking of us? Um, it's their, their own data. So uh, there's the social media data that we've been talking about uh, since we started. Then there's online review data. There's customer support data. So you can have customer service center data. You can have customer survey data. You can have comment data or web chat data. You can have sales data in there. And then you can put all this data next to each other. And then you could try to find some single source of truth uh, from this data. So we can see that, oh, online data for this particular subject matter is 78% positive. However, customer supports 76% negative and why is that and then you're able to dig deeper and this is just a really easy way to get quick information by having all these data silos now together in one place. Have you seen any uh, particular um, overlaps that seem like they're really interesting like wow that was a great idea call center information or stock price or really trying to sort of map the customer journey based, you know, trying to bring 
the, the social media conversation into a larger customer journey. I'm so glad you mentioned that. I failed to um, mention stock price. That's one of the easiest things to overlay uh, within the platform with a simple code that, that we have and getting the ticker symbol and putting it over there. Um, and that isn't even own data, so to say. That's like public data that is so easy to get. Um, so we've seen uh, the stock price correlating over that. I, I, I think that we're, we're gonna see more of a trend with the review data. Uh, a lot of people are putting more and more reviews out there and we're being asked more to overlay review data with um, customer data, So, uh, with uh, social data. So what we're in the business of now is conversational intelligence. So what conversations are happening out there on your particular brand and how can you get all these conversations in one place to be able to understand what's going on? I just want to remind everyone, the chat room is open. So if you have questions, fire away. Todd, what is the deal with LinkedIn? I mean, LinkedIn is heating up. The, 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 the freaking uh, news feed is alive, and it's a blind spot, man. No one can get it. When are we going to see LinkedIn come into the fray? So from my knowledge, there is not one company in our space that has access to uh, the closed uh, API uh, for LinkedIn. With that being said, I've heard inklings of other types of companies that have access to data. I think someday there will be access to LinkedIn data other than your owned LinkedIn data, that if you're a company and you want to do analysis on your LinkedIn data, no problem. You, you put in the token and you're able to get your LinkedIn data within the TalkWalker platform, for example. You could get that access, but ain't gonna happen uh, anytime soon, um, as far as I can see. Let, let's talk for a minute about artificial intelligence. You know, in the 2020 Media Monitoring Buyer's Guide, I talked a lot about artificial intelligence because when I first started talking to the different vendors, everyone is pretty much selling against artificial intelligence. You know, it really is sort of the buzzword of the day. And as I dive deeper and deeper into the research around artificial intelligence, I realized that there's actually different types of artificial intelligence. There's what's called neural networks, which are uh, AI that performs a fairly narrow task, like a recommendations engine. Yeah, and there's something broader, which is sort of the pie in the sky we all want, artificial general intelligence, which would be AI that is as good as a person. And obviously, you know, we're not really anywhere near that yet because machines still can't really understand language. They can process it based on patterns, but they don't understand meaning. Um, and I know a lot of people, you know, in, in I think marketing and PR are concerned, hey, is AI a threat? Is AI going to steal our jobs? What is sort of the state of AI? And then talk to us a little bit specifically about uh, how AI plays a role on TalkWalker. Absolutely. So my personal opinion is AI, don't be afraid of AI. AI is a friend. AI is here to help. AI makes things easier. AI makes it possible to do things at scale that we've never been able uh, to do to get information. AI gives us a chance to, to be creative and focus on things that are uh, more important and add value and that creativity um, for us. It, 
it will be interesting and there will be a day where AI is just getting better and better and maybe it crosses the line with creativity, but someone has to be there to um, still assist, digest, uh, make um, these um, decisions. In terms of TalkWalker, we um, started using AI day one. Um, back in um, 2009 when we first started, when we were um, looking at the structures of websites through AI, then that evolved saying, wow, we can use this technology AI to start doing sentiment analysis. So that was really easy to, um, to make that step. And then we innovated and started using that AI to do image recognition uh, by monitoring over 150 million uh, photos uh, a day. It's now 150 million photos and videos. So we can actually look at videos as well and, and getting those images. So that it's taken it to that. Then the AI has taken it to the um, uh, custom AI engine that um, we have in particular, where suppose you're Apple and you, Apple computers, uh, and you want to, or phones, and you want to know everything that's being said about Apple, but you don't want to know what's being said about Apple Martin or Apple Pies. You just want Apple as a, as a company and a brand. So you need to create all these exclusionary factors in the old days with Boolean. Now you can just have the AI uh, do this to give you exactly what you want or near in a high 90 percentile um, accuracy in terms of what you want. And then lastly, we see AI in terms of taking other types of data, like just customer data um, that we talked about earlier and putting it into the platform to be able to uh, do things at scale, that's great. Um, one really great AI story uh, was this um, pizza chain in Italy wanted to branch out in Europe and they basically wanted to find the best locations to create other pizza chains uh, throughout Germany, France, and what have you. And what they were able to do is they actually <laughs> people eating pizza to first determine where the conversations were happening and what was associated with pizza, beer or wine, were they eating it indoors and outdoors? And they created their whole initiative using AI and using image recognition and other uh, tools within TalkWalker to be able to make that recommendation for their hotspots. Um, in terms of uh, how AI works on TalkWalker, does AI filter after Bolan at the same time as Bolan? Is there no order to it? Like, like, do I specify, you know, my keyword filters first, and then once I've narrowed down the set of results using those Bolan queries, do I introduce the AI after that on the subset of results? It depends. It could be either way. You could type in a keyword, but if you want to do exclusionary, I really recommend to clients at a, a large scale that trust the AI engine and let them do the exclusionary factors versus you creating booleans. Oh, it can't equal this. It can't equal that. Just, just let it, just pick articles that are exactly what you're looking for. And then the engine will know this is what you want or not want. One of the uh, most common objectives in public relations is message pass-through. So you put out some sort of information and you want to see if any of your target 
channels are repeating those key messages. Now, obviously, you know, they may not use the exact same words that you use to express these concepts, ideas, topics, and subtopics. So how would AI be helpful in helping me sort of find people talking about a topic or a subtopic? Yes, so AI can help you find the information that you're wanting. Where I think AI could really come in handy is understanding where the fake news may be and then being able to understand what's real and what isn't real. So we have um, a credibility index that we use within our AI to basically say, mm, this doesn't pass the sniff test, this post. And um, you may want to think about um, this messaging or prepare that uh, this could trend into something. How does that work, that credibility feature? So from a technical standpoint, I'm not the best person behind to, um, to answer that. Um, it, it, it knows based upon patterns or structure, in my limited knowledge, knows about the patterns of um, that post or detecting as a, we have a bot detector. So if it's a bot that was posting it, we know right off. Okay. Yeah, this, this isn't going to be right. Um, we could even, we, we, we can look through the AI, like, do they have any followers? Uh, do they not? Has there ever been engagement on their post? Um, that type of stuff. There's all these different factors behind the scenes. And, and so do you do any sort of um, intelligence just broader on, um, you know, the percentage of bots, the percentage of false information? That seems like such an interesting topic. We could, we absolutely could. And I like that. Uh, that's a good thought leadership piece to be able to put something together. Um, in my we five years. Talk. We should talk about that. Yeah. Uh, we have not done something like that. So that could make, be a nice white paper. Yeah, it really could. It would be very interesting. So let's talk about um, this unfortunate situation we are in as a result of this global pandemic. So I know you guys have put some COVID-19 resources together uh, to support the trade. Tell us about what you've got. So on our website, we have um, a daily uh, email subscription uh, that's free, of course, uh, to understand what's going on. This is an example of data clustering of uh, how much conversation is going on and what are the different types of conversations that are happening, the clusters of um, conversations by uh, topics uh, for COVID. We also have a weekly uh, webinar uh, once a week in the morning at 11 a.m. I believe it's on Tuesday mornings at 11. And we're able to, um, it's 15 minutes of quick update on what's happening around the world based on the TalkWalker data. And then people are able to ask questions. Uh, we have 15 minutes time allotted for, for questions. So it's really quick 30 minutes on that. And we also um, have uh, the quick search where, where, where people can um, type in keywords to at least get a, um, uh, an idea of what's happening if they're, if they're not a client. So our page, we have a whole dedicated uh, resource page on our website for this. We're, we're going to do a demo in a second. Uh, we're going to switch over and actually take a look at the platform in action. But before we do, 
I, I want to, and I, I realize, you know, as the CEO of, of, of a, you know, major platform, there, there's only so much you can say answering this question, but what sort of, how would you characterize the impact of the pandemic on the economic stamina of the PR and marketing trade? How is it impacting clients? How is it impacting agencies? What is your, what are your predictions for, you know, what this means for, for sales in 2020? So it's not going to be easy and I don't have a crystal ball. From the knowledge that I have been studying, there's, there's a couple of things. There's opportunity, clearly, and those that innovate uh, can do very well here. Um, we see these television commercials, we see uh, PR campaigns, uh, distance dancing uh, by Procter & Gamble with Gray Agency, I thought was a really well done hashtag that they did. So there are opportunities here. And in recessions, there have been uh, companies that have done well and actually have doubled down on marketing if they can. Now, I also see that there have been furloughs within agencies, within companies, especially on the consumer travel tourism side where things have been really wiped out or just shut down. The sectors that I see are still doing very well are technology and healthcare. And I've seen a shift in marketing spend, and this is a real good opportunity for PR folks, from marketing spend to PR, because PR doesn't cost as much as traditional marketing spend has. So there, there could be some uh, budgets there. The last thing that, that, I've, that I've seen is that I've seen people who are uh, PR marketers have been trained now, and this is an opportunity for people to take more courses and get more savvy in digital. And people are doubling down on their digital uh, budgets right now. I mean, is this, is this really the, the go big or go home moment for digital transformation? It, it could be. I think that it's, first quarter was still okay for, for, for many folks because that was uh, some spillover from fourth from last year and then going into uh, uh, February, going into March. This is going to be a true test uh, for second and third quarter. And then I'm optimistic that things are, are to um, pick up again in Q4. It's um, very interesting to see how um, some of these states are opening up uh, sooner uh, than, than others. Uh, me being in New York, we're the epicenter. So I think it's going to take some time. And uh, we're fortunate that um, uh, a lot of us in the, the PR comms partnership space can work from home. Uh, but my heart goes out to all of those who can't and that are practicing social distancing right now. So we have a question from an anonymous attendee, which I'll take it to mean you don't want to be on camera. Um, okay, so here's the question. When analyzing clusters like this, are you able to identify individual sources that are, quote, thought leaders and driving the conversations? It seems like really good intel to redirect bad narratives or support positive narratives. Absolutely. You can click on any of those uh, nodes there and it takes you in deeper to understand what's, what's being said and who those. Well, I, think should, I think you should talk about the virality map because I think that answers the question. Well, the virality map, and we don't have a screenshot of that is one of my uh, favorite all time maps that love, we love that. And it's such a point of, uh, differentiation out there. So what the virality map basically shows you is 
let's say that something started on, uh, for example, uh, Bacardi. Uh, it was a rival rum war, and it was done on 60 Minutes, a piece on 60 Minutes. This thing went viral after 60 Minutes. It went viral on Twitter and then on um, the blogs. And you could see day by day, hour by hour, if you want, any time frame, to see where it goes viral from what social media type to the other. Okay, that's kind of cool to see where it's gone from social media types, but then you could see it across geographies. So that's interesting as well. Like it started in Albania and now it's all over in the US. So you'd be able to see that and how that's trending. And then you can also see the virality based on engagement numbers. So it's a really powerful tool. Todd, when you look at your customers in segments, what can you tell us about B2B? How is B2B impacted by COVID? B2B, all companies are impacted one way or another. With B2B, it's still a matter of them being innovative. They, they have to, um, we're, we're a B2B company in, in essence, and we have to be innovative and being able to help our business customers um, do their, their daily business. It's um, getting information now is important. I, I know I've been talking to my clients and sometimes they're, they're telling their, their end clients or their, their C-suite executives, we don't, there's so much information that maybe it's better to have less and less is more in terms of reports and, and, and get real data that's meaningful. Let's take a moment, if we could, um, uh, where we are grateful to have Melina Schmidt, uh, the, uh, who handles marketing at TalkWalker, on with us. And she's going to, I think, walk us through a little demo that maybe you're going to narrate for us. Or maybe not. We'll see. We'll give it a sec here. Um, uh, no demo here. That's fine. Okay. Um, well, um, is there any come back if you want, if you want to see a, a little uh, case study on something, um, we can certainly do that. I can even get um, perhaps one of our, our clients to um, show you a real case and talk and we can do a little bit of a, a panel discussion if you want. That'd be great. And then if someone wants to uh, follow you, how can we find you online? Um, my Twitter handle is at tm grossman uh, that's that's one good way and of course on linkedin if anyone wants to link in with me i'm pretty good with that kind of stuff great well if we don't have any other questions and i don't think we do uh, i want to thank you so much for taking the time to do this and i wanted to tell remind everyone um to join us next week for a discussion with sarah evans She's a digital correspondent and consultant to global brands on social and digital branding, marketing, advertising, and public relations. Her clients include PayPal, Cox Communications, MGM International, Walmart, and the Shorty Awards. I want to thank Flux Branding, a world-renowned resource for defining your digital brand. Flux, Flux Branding is a group of creative visionaries and graphic designers dedicated to helping clients build brand identities. And you can visit them at fluxbranding.com and Digital Dragon, where children can develop the skills they need to prosper in the age of machines. Digital Dragon teaches digital literacy to tomorrow's programmers. And you can get more information 
at ericschwartzman.com forward slash DD. Uh, again, if you're watching this on Facebook, YouTube, or Periscope, you can sign up and join us live every week at prtechwednesdays.com. Um, oh, we have one more question here. Uh, and the question is, let me see if this person wants to answer live. No. Some of my teams are using social listening. Is it important to cover news and social? Yes. I think it's nice to see you could do, in fact, in our platform, we have the online news, but we also can have um, TVIs, broadcast news, and LexisNexis uh, feeds into the, the platform. So it's really nice to have news uh, cross-referenced and with uh, social to get a full picture. I like it. Great. Well, I'm glad we got that last question in. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Uh, this is your community. So we hope to see you next week uh, for the interview with Sarah Evans and bring your questions. Uh, you know, Sarah actually was on the cover of Vanity Fair, like I want to say maybe eight, nine years ago with a bunch of other women who were sort of seen as sort of leading the charge on Twitter back in the day. Uh, so it'll be exciting to have her on. She's got over 100,000 followers on Twitter and she's very influential in the social media sphere. So I hope you'll join us for that. Uh, Todd, thanks again for taking the time. Thank you. Pleasure, Eric. Have a happy this, Wednesday. This has been Eric Schwartzman, and we will see you on the next PR Tech Wednesday.